Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Our Hearts at Home podcast, where we talk about trusting God in the midst of suffering. We're your hosts, Gary and Laura House, co-founders of the Our Hearts at Home ministry to bereaved parents. Every one of us encounters suffering. Each week on this show, we sit down with people who have a deep understanding of suffering because they've experienced it. We hope you'll leave here with new insights into how you can trust the Lord through the painful times of your life. So thanks for joining us. We think you're going to be encouraged by what you hear today. Today we welcome to the podcast Courtney Mount, Millie's mom and author of Millie Finds Her Miracle. Thanks so much, Courtney, for taking the time to be here today. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. Well, Courtney, we are really looking forward to talking with you about your sweet daughter, Millie. But before we do that, could you introduce yourself to our listeners and just share a little bit about yourself and your family? I would love to. I am a Christian wife and mama to nine children, um, ranging over 26 years. Usually people get choked up when I say that part, but we've had (laughs) babies a long time. We homeschool, live in central Oklahoma on a farm, kind of a hobby farm. We have some cows, a horse, a chicken, um, and a whole bunch of barn cats. We don't do much farming, but, you know, we enjoy being out in nature. We have 80 acres, and so that's a lot of fun. Still homeschooling my kids. This is my 30th year to do it, and so eventually I'm going to retire, and hopefully there'll be some good retirement benefits with that. (laughs) You said a chicken, so is this a chicken that lays eggs? Or just, okay, it is, it's an Yeah, egg. she lays eggs. Um, there were supposed to be six of them, but the raccoons ate the other five. So we oh, had dear. Eight. Okay. <laughs> That's, That's part right. of farm life. Yeah, okay. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, Courtney, could you introduce us more to Millie and help us get to know her a little bit? Tell us something about her personality, some of the things she likes, some of her favorite things to do. Okay, Millie was our baby. She was born in our old age. She was, I think I was 42 or 43 when Millie was born. And I remember I'd had multiple ultrasounds. And when I went into the doctor, one of the last times they sent me to the high risk ultrasound. And I asked the little lady at the counter, why am I here? I've had lots of ultrasounds. She said, ma'am, you're old. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I know. I didn't feel so old, but you know, after nine times I had that down, I kind of knew what we were doing. Um, (laughs) Millie was born perfectly healthy. Surprisingly, her two previous siblings were in NICU, and so we had gone to a large hospital 90 miles from our house to have her, knowing that if she was going to go in the NICU, I wanted to be in the same hospital this time that she was. Um, She rushed us getting there, so she was on the side of the turnpike, and then we did make it. We were there about 10 to 15 minutes before we, and like I said, everything was perfect. She, first two years, chunky, sweet little baby. Um, loved by everybody, just happy as can be. I neglected to say her real name is Amelia Joy. Mm. So she got the name Millie as a nickname from one of her older brothers. And Millie has three brothers and five sisters. And one of the brothers nicknamed her Amy. One of them nicknamed her Millie. You know, everybody had something different they wanted to call. And she would eventually say, my name is Amy Millie, Amelia, <laughs> Courtney Mount. And I always said, oh, that's my name. Uh-huh. <laughs> so she was just a really funny little girl. Um, but anyway, we teased our children. We named her Amelia Joy. Amelia means worker. And we said she was going to be the joyful worker in our home. And uh-huh. so we were excited to have one of those. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. About the time of her second birthday, 
Millie came to the point where she really had the terrible twos. And I don't know, we were so busy. We were homeschooling. We had teenagers. We had adults. We already had grandchildren. There was just stuff going all the time. She was still in a pack and play in our room. And at night, we would hear her whimpering and crying. She didn't sleep well. During the day, she just cried and cried. Hold me. Just hold me. And we'd pick her up you know, put her on our hip and she'd say, no, hold me on the front. She wants you to put her in front of your body and hold her. And you can do that for a moment or two and you move it back around your hip and she, no, on your front, you put her down. She just cry and cry. Mm. She ran infrequent fevers. We thought maybe she was teething right about to your molar time and just nothing really set in of what could be wrong with her. Just something was not right. Um, we went to see a doctor two or three times and one time it was, she probably has an ear infection. The next time she looks great, but you know, you come back in a few weeks if she's not feeling better. Finally, in May of 2019, we went to the Grand Canyon as a family. And that particular trip was a once in a lifetime trip for us. We'd always wanted to go and David's parents made it possible that we could go with not only them, all of our children and some of our grandchildren got to go on the trip too. So there were 15 of us they were able to go. And um, during that trip, every night at bedtime, Millie would start to fever and it would last two or three hours and it was always low grade and then it would go away. Next night, same thing. And I got onto an online group of mommies that I've followed for years and just said, moms, this is my ninth child. You think I'd know what I was doing, but something is not right with this child. And one of the moms said, well, I would suggest a blood test. She said, um, I would hope it's not what it sounds like, but she said, my son has leukemia and that's what it kind of sounds like to me. Mm. And so I called the doctor we got back in town. I took her in, I set her up on the table and she looked great. Nothing mm. wrong with the child again. And so the doctor wrote me a lab slip. I stuck it in my purse and she said, you know, if you think something's going on, take her in and get labs. She said, doesn't look like you need to today, but go ahead and get those if you need to. And so we came home about two weeks later, I was having a meeting at our house and I walked people out at the end of the night. And then when I came back in, she was up on my bed with her fist balled up in her tummy saying, oh, my belly hurts, my belly hurts hmm. in her sweet little baby voice. Cause she hardly talked, you know, she's two and a half years old. Um, and so I had called my husband, he was heading home from work and I just said, we're going to have to do something. She is just, something is not right. And so we decided to take her to urgent care. And when we got there, they were about 10 minutes from closing. And I said, I'm pretty sure she's constipated, you know, impacted. I need you to look at her. And they said, well, have you had an x-ray? And we hadn't. Um, so they took us in the back. And when they laid her on the table, um, just kind of the scales fell off her eyes, I think. Mm. She was this little distended belly baby with skinny, skinny arms and legs. We thought she was petite. But looking at her laying there, she wasn't petite. She had lost all of her baby fat and she was really malnourished, I feel like now. But her belly was huge. Mm. So they felt her over and they said, yes, we want you to go to the hospital. We want you to have an x-ray. And we're in kind of a small town area. So we took her into their hospital and they did the x-ray and confirmed, yes, she was constipated. They gave her an enema and a suppository, got the results they wanted. And he was going to release us. And I said, before you do, I found a lump on her belly next to her belly button. I need you to fill up it. And he felt of that. And he said, ma'am, I felt of about 10,000 stomachs. And that's nothing to worry about. However, her liver edge is distended. 
lower than her rib and we need to have that checked out. We're gonna do some blood work. They did, um, came back, her liver enzymes were high. And again, you know, what can that mean? And he said, it can mean nothing or it can be very serious. We're gonna refer you on to Children's Hospital. So Children's Hospital is about an hour and a half from there, but they didn't send us straight. They said, go ahead and go home. They'll call you tomorrow. They'll set up an appointment. So that was about 3 a.m. We got home 9 a.m. that morning. They called and set up an appointment for the following morning. Mm. That was probably my first clue that something's serious because our yeah. children's hospital is slow. You don't get referred in and it'd be anything right. else. And yeah. So they referred us to the liver specialist since the liver was what was showing up. Um, and we took her in, put her on the liver specialist table. And again, the liver specialist said, she looks great. Mm -hmm. I can't find anything wrong with her. She said, however, maybe it's food allergies. Mm -hmm. said, what about celiac gluten issues? And I said, well, my husband is gluten-free. He has some issues with that. And so she said, okay, I'm going to send you down for a blood test and an ultrasound. And we will go from there. I remember as I walked out of that office, and of course, this baby looks fine. I'm typing on my church prayer chain. They think it's food allergies. You know, that's that's a praise. And then I send the same message to my husband, and I follow up with, they're going to do another blood test, and I don't want to do it alone, so you should come over here. Mm -hmm. Crazily enough, he works three miles from the hospital. We live over an hour from there, but he works three miles down the road, and so... He did come. Um, he did not know I had packed my bags that morning, put him in the car thinking she probably has leukemia. I just mm -hmm. didn't even know much about leukemia, but just had a feeling in my heart that something's really wrong with this baby. Mm -hmm. So at one point on him, when he was on his way over, I went ahead and did the ultrasound, did not do the blood test. Um, we're waiting on him. And while she was on the ultrasound table, the ultrasound tech had been real chatty, very friendly. And then she just got deathly silent. And you could see her concentrating and really working hard and just not saying a word. And I finally said, if there's something I need to know, you need to find a doctor today because I live a long way from here. Yeah. And so she said, I just need you to wait in the waiting room. At that time, my husband came in. So we all sat in the waiting room. Sometime in that waiting room, someone came and got us and told us to go to the seventh floor, which is where the liver specialist was. I don't really remember being on the seventh floor, other than I remember someone saying, you're going to go upstairs to the 10th floor, which was the oncology floor. Mm -hmm. now, at that time, I'm not sure if I knew what oncology was. Yeah. I mean, I just, you know, regular yeah. mom doing our thing. I didn't have a clue about childhood cancer. Um, but my friend had a son that had had leukemia and I called her as I stepped in the elevator and I just said, they're sending us upstairs. And she reassured me, it's going to be okay. What doctor are they going to give you? And I, I spouted off the doctor's name and she said, that's our doctor. It's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, just the reassurance of another Christian sister who I knew was praying for me. Yeah. Um, really yeah. broke the ice stepping onto that floor that we weren't going in somewhere totally foreign the nurse that met us at the door I said oh we have mutual friends in this little boy's family and you know it was just nice to know that we weren't in the wilderness by ourselves sure yeah yeah so, so take us from that point then what what was the actual diagnosis then when it was all said and done well the actual diagnosis didn't come for a few weeks mm -hmm. um and they're really part of a God story in this. They took us down that hallway and they put us in a little waiting, um, little room. And I think 
And the reason I say I think, because if you interviewed my husband, he would tell you totally opposite. We think two <laughs> totally different things. That's part of um, grief brain, right? And trauma. Yeah. I think they came in that day and they said, it looks like Amelia has cancer. And it seems like she has Wilms cancer because it was affecting her kidney. And there was a tumor on that side. And um, so, okay, I cure you. And he said it was a 95% cure rate. And there could be some other cancers that affect the kidney, but we think this is the one it is. And then he said, if you want to take her home, we won't start chemo till uh, Monday. So you, this is the Friday. He said, you could take her home over the weekend, or you can sit here all weekend. Mm. That's what I remember. So of course I needed to go home. I had lots of children. I had lots of things to do to get prepared for my whole life to turn upside down. Mm-hmm. Now, my husband says we were in a main waiting room outside that area and the doctor said she had neuroblastoma mm. never the doctor never said that <laughs> it just, you remember two different things yeah I do because I think yeah. the Lord must have stopped my ears so yeah. that I could come home and do the things I needed to do over the yeah day. yeah the reason being we did come on our way home we actually stopped at a Brahms and of course you're kind of local here so you know about Brahms but mm-hmm. the best ice cream place around and we stopped mm-hmm. at a Brahms at, next to OBU College and when we went in she stayed in the car with her daddy and I stood in front of the counter and I said uh I need to order something and the woman said well can I help you are you okay and I said no no I'm not okay they just told me my baby has cancer and this sweet young woman couldn't have been more than 21 22 years old said can I just pray with you she grabbed my hands right there on the counter prayed with me ordered food for me even paid for it out of her own salary for me Wow, that's neat. Oh, I just thought God was with me each step of the way. But we got home, we got everything prepared, got the children settled, went back that Sunday afternoon and checked in. And our doctor came and sat on the edge of the bed. And he said, tomorrow morning, we'll be testing for neuroblastoma. Uh And I just, no, no, you will not. And my husband's looking at me like my head's falling off. He said, yeah. why are you reacting that way? And I, we had a friend years ago, this little boy had neuroblastoma and passed away. Yeah. And so if I had ever heard that word, I'm sure if that doctor had ever said that word to me, it yeah. would have been it so, Yeah, I would have heard it. Yeah. But he said, honey, he said neuroblastoma the very first time. Yeah. Just, yeah. No, no, he absolutely did not. So yeah. we've had to agree to disagree on that point. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, and maybe you just didn't hear it and were able to not have to hear that until Sunday afternoon, you know, I, I love on your website, this description, I'm going to read this that's on your website, it says, we prayed for Millie's miracle of healing, then guided her to heaven's gate. Now, as we daily walk the path of grief, we look to Jesus, our sustainer, for hope and comfort, and we share Millie's story because it points to Christ's story. Um, I love that paragraph. Uh, obviously, you went from that time at Children's um, how long was she still here with us before she went to heaven from that moment of diagnosis? That was June 20th of 2019. She passed away July 8th of 2020. Mm-hmm. She had come home three weeks previous on hospice to pass away. Yeah. Early on in that journey of chemo and treatment, we prayed and prayed, Lord, we just ask that you heal her and let her tell your, your goodness with her own lips. But if you don't, we commit to telling it for her. Mm-hmm. And so that's part of why, as we were doing our Facebook page, updating people and just saying, you know, here's what you can pray for Millie tonight for. 
but also just showing hopefully others that we're trusting Christ, even in this horrible, awful, wretched thing we're going through, we're trusting him. And we knew he could heal her. We knew he could have totally healed her here on earth. We don't know why he didn't, but we also know he did totally heal her in heaven. We I can keep that perspective. Exactly. I mean, we feel the same way with Nathan and, you know, all the parents that um, are part of our hearts are home things that we do. Um, I don't know why God intervenes a lot of times. And other times it doesn't seem like he does. Now he may have intervened many, many, many times in Millie's life before that point. Um, I don't know why he didn't heal her on earth. I don't know. I remember coming to that point where I had to face the fact that I was not going to know. <laughs> and so I had the decision, am I going to trust God or not? Am I going to keep you know, trying to figure this out and demanding that I have to know? Well, no, I'm not God. I do trust him. He is good and he loves our kids even more than we do. And I'm going to trust him. And you're right um, that she's fully healed. And so, you know, when we grieve, we're not grieving for our children who are in heaven because they're in heaven with Jesus. That's where we want to be. But we're, right. grieving, we're grieving that separation for the rest of us here, um, that separation from them until we go home. So. Absolutely. I think sometimes we think, you know, they're in heaven, they're missing us, they're lacking something. Yeah. And I don't believe that when you're at the face you know, the feet of Jesus, you're facing him. You're not looking back to the things of this world at all. Totally. Now we, like you said, we're grieving for us. We're grieving for all the things we'll never have here on the earth. That's right. Yeah. Well, we all go through uh, a journey that we never dreamed of and never asked for. But um, once this happens, uh, we need to keep moving forward. And we ask all the questions, we do all the detective work, all the what ifs and should haves. And uh, we not only go on our grief journey, but also uh, we find ourselves on a spiritual journey. And uh, as we trust the Lord and turn to him for hope, comfort, encouragement, and even answers, um, he does amazing things in our lives. Uh, and brings us into a relationship with him and an intimacy with him that I'm not sure could have ever happened without this level of devastation in our lives. Can you talk a little bit about your own spiritual journey through Millie's illness and uh, how has your understanding of God changed and uh, what you see as his character? Yes, I would love to. You know, I was saved at a young age. I was eight years old. And just living life, I knew the Lord. I took my children to church. My husband and I had taught in churches, done all kinds of stuff, but just lived a normal, whatever normal is, a normal Christian life, you know. Um, I read my Bible, but there were times I had really dry, dry places. Didn't mean I lacked faith, but it meant I didn't open my Bible for a while, or I didn't, you know, I didn't pray for a while. I still knew who the Lord was. One thing about Millie getting sick caused us to be on our knees all the time, praying for that little girl. And not only for her, praying for the rest of our family. I remember looking at my husband early on in her journey and saying, I can't lose her and lose you too. We have got to stay one on this and keep, you know, keep moving. So for me, after she passed away, what grief did to me was just totally exhaust me. 
every day I would wake up and just felt like I was in molasses. I couldn't move. I just, every limb was heavy. My body hurt all over. And I would grab my Bible and my cup of coffee and I might sit for two hours and just read and think. I didn't even have to be reading. I could just be thinking and talking to the Lord. And I started really listening to more theology. You know, I've been raised in a Baptist background. And yet I've noticed there's so many people within the church that want to comfort you. And they'll say things they've heard without even having a clue what theology they're talking about. Mm -hmm. One, um, you know, Millie's an angel now. Well, that's not scriptural. No. Now we're in scripture. Does it say my little girl magically turned into an angel? Now it's a sweet little picture. And we even have a beautiful picture of her dressed as an angel. Mm -hmm. And I'm, sometimes I'm hesitant to post it because I don't want people thinking I really believe she became an angel. I don't. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, other ones for a while, I clung to the verse of God ordained the number of their days. And so that was all the days Millie got was three and a half years. Mm -hmm. But the more I studied and studied, I actually don't cling to that verse now. Mm -hmm. Now I cling to God knew all yeah. along that she had three and a half years. Yeah. But his plan for her was eternal life. It yeah. wasn't just this short little earthly life. Yeah. And so in no way did he just say, well, you know, you get three and a half years, that's it. You're out of there. And by the way, we'll torture you for a year with chemo before you go. You know, <laughs> that's not the God we serve. Yeah. So if we can back up and we can see the bigger heaven picture. Yeah. I had another friend share with me. She said, I had to remember heaven wasn't a punishment. Mm. Oh, that one hits us because mm. sometimes we think, God, what do we do to deserve this? But no, heaven's not a punishment. We want our kids there, right? We don't want them there today. We'd rather have them here with us, but, mm. but we do want them there. Yeah. So just diving in deep and really figuring out what I believed, figuring out how to express it to other people, and then how not to repeat those same stupid statements to other people because they <laughs> are so hurtful. Yeah. I don't know why people don't understand how hurtful they are, but yeah. Well, you know, heaven is our real goal in our real life. And I mean, I always, my perception really was, well, I'm going to live my life here and then someday I'm going to die and I'm going to go to heaven. That was kind of my idea. Um, but now I realize that earthly life is just a blip on the radar. I'd heard that before, but now I really recognize that really it's kind of, um, a proving ground. It's a place for us to become who we're supposed to be, you know, a place for the Lord to, to work on us and for us to develop intimacy with him because our real life is eternity. So earthly life is not it at all. So I totally agree with all you just said. You know, you wrote a book, um, Millie Finds Her Miracle, and we'd love for you to share about that a little bit. Um, we'll put the link in the show notes, but can you tell us a little bit about it? So I started out writing a book about Millie's whole journey, and then it rolled in a little bit bigger about um, our testimony before Millie was born. And then it got to 80,000 words. And I said, who knew I could write 80,000 words? And my <laughs> husband said, I did. You say them every day. I'm like, honey, that's not even funny. He's an introvert. I'm not, obviously. So we've been reading and going through that book. And while we were doing that, we just got the impression from the Lord that, you know what? Put that book on hold. It's time to write a children's book. So the children's book is Millie Finds Her Miracle. And it is about a little girl who searches everywhere for her miracle of healing. 
from her playground to the doctor's office, you know, her family prays, she searches on the farm, she just searches all through this book for this miracle, and she finally finds it when Jesus whispers her name and she steps into heaven. Mm. It's a very gentle introduction to death. Now, where does it say the person died? You know, it just says Jesus whispered her name and she met him. Um, but I think it's important because to children facing hospice or to siblings that have just lost a young child or, you know, they've just lost and they don't know what happened to their sibling. I think it's a book that you can read to them and then you can relate, you know, just like Millie, our little boy's going to heaven or just like Millie, your brother went to heaven, you know, mm. or even just to comfort the child where you yeah. can say, you know, you're going to get to meet Millie in heaven soon. Yeah. Because that is the most out-of-body experience to sit and hold your child yeah. and wait for them to die. Yeah. For three weeks, we held that little girl and we held our breath and we planned her funeral with her on, our, on her lap. Yeah. Thinking the funeral has to point towards the Lord. But at the same time, I've got this little girl that I don't, what do I say to her? Yeah. And I would rock her and I would say, soon you're going to meet Jesus. Mm. And did you know there's no cancer in heaven? And nothing, nobody hurts in heaven. You're going to get to see Jesus. Mm. And she said, can we all go together? Yeah. Someday, mommy and daddy will come soon. Yeah. But you know, what a, what a thought to a three-year-old yeah. of what, what is happening. And so that was the premises of needing that children's book out there. Yeah. Because there's children, 40, I think it's 47 children dying every day wow. from childhood cancer. I hope wow. I got the statistic right, but I think that's what I read recently. Yeah. Wow. They well, need to do the Lord. Yeah. It looks like an amazing book. I, I remember seeing on your website that there's a place where people can partner, can donate, and then you give books. Tell me about that. Do you send books to families or what do you do? I do. Whenever you donate the money to purchase a book, I keep it here until I hear of a family. And you can either suggest one or if I hear of one on the internet that their child's either going on hospice or has recently passed. I will write the family, make sure they want the book, yeah. get the information and get the siblings' names. And then I write a letter to the sibling. And the letter says something like, dear Susie, did my mommy tell you, or did your mommy tell you that when I went to heaven, Jesus healed all my alleys and took away all my pain? Mm -hmm. I know you have a little brother here in heaven. And we don't cry here. We just laugh and sing songs to Jesus and because there are no tears in heaven. And so something like, do you like to sing? You know, just, just a chatty little letter from Millie to the child. Mm -hmm. And then at the end, I put with help from my mama, since obviously I'm the one writing it. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I stick that in the book. And I've had such great response from these mamas that write back and say, the letter was perfect. Mm -hmm. The book was perfect. It's what our family needed to read. Mm -hmm. I had one little family said, we're all going to be baptized on our daughter. I think it was her either her birthday or her first anniversary of her homegoing. And their whole family got baptized, but before they did, they read Millie's book. Uh, so the people there would understand. Yeah. Neat. And so people can buy the book where? On Amazon? They can, but unfortunately on Amazon, we make so little profit. We can't do much with it. Um, if they go to my website, which is milliesmiracle.net, mm -hmm. they can purchase it there. Perfect. And then once they purchase the book, there's a purchase area and there's a donate area and they are separate. If you purchase, it's coming to you. If you donate, it's coming to me for okay. me to send out. And then we pay for the postage to send them out. That's perfect. Mm -hmm. So can I tell you a little bit more about the big book? 
yeah. if the big book ever gets produced, which it should, hopefully I'm going to get an editor soon. Um, I went back and it had 21 devotions in it and I pulled them out and went ahead and published those. So mm. on Amazon, there is a 21 day devotional called Embracing a Miracle, 21 Days to Aligning Your Faith with the Heart of God. It That's uses uh, wonderful. Wow. Yeah. Well, I didn't it know definitely that. Is a walk. Yeah, that's wonderful. That's um, great. We'll put that in the show notes. Yeah, that's okay. that's can't wait to check that one out. It's great. I did that in a companion journal. So they're both very low cost, like six or seven dollars each. Wow. But that way you can and they match all the artwork from Millie Finds Her Miracle. Oh, I, I like. love that. Good. That's great. Can you also tell us just a little bit about your Facebook page? You have an amazing Facebook page and uh, you you blog sometimes as well but your Facebook is very active. Can you just speak a moment to, to that? Yeah. So I started the Facebook page the day we drove to the hospital. And the first words I started with is the skies are mimicking my heart today because mm. it was raining and tears were falling as we drove. And I just didn't know what we were going to face. It originally was a page that would shower all her heart um, or all her prayer issues. But before I did it each day, I would give praise. So I would give two or three things I wanted to praise the Lord for, and then two or three things I needed prayer for, and just cute little updates. And it was a way for us to keep information moving. Mm -hmm. After she passed away, people wanted to know how we were doing. Mm -hmm. You know, they'd come to know our family. And again, we had committed, we would tell her story. And so as we've done that, we've just tried to, to share scripture. We tried to share stories, um, to be pretty open about who we are and what we believe and I've had the opportunity to lead people to the Lord through it. I've had, you know, lots of people we've gotten to minister to. It's just so neat to see the community. Mm -hmm. So the world is so big and yet it's so small when you get on the internet. So well, you have thousands and thousands of people now that are on your Facebook page. Following. Yes. Well, we have just one more question, Courtney. Um, you touched on it a little bit ago, but what would you say to those who are listening who have not lost a child, but want to help comfort a grieving friend? What would you say helps the most? I would say, don't try to find the words to comfort your grieving friend. Open your arms, hug your friend, say, I'm here to listen, but don't tell me anything that you think I should know or anybody <laughs> you know that's passed away of the same thing or just listen. Because so often, you know, we want to talk but we're afraid of someone thinking, oh, this is awkward. Mm -hmm. Or we want to say something, but we're afraid they're going to shut us down too quickly. And mm -hmm. it just makes it where it's not even worth saying. Yeah. You know, frequently people will say, how many children do you have? And mm -hmm. I have to think about that. Not mm -hmm. because I know, I know I have nine children, mm -hmm. but because do they want to hear I have nine children or do they want to hear, you know, I have eight children and then not talk about Millie which I'm more of the mindset. I always talk about it. So you get what you get with me. Here it is. Yeah. We have two, we have three children. Two of them live here on earth and one resides in heaven. That's our answer. So but we still have three children. So yes, your answer is a little easier though. Cause I have like three that live in the house. One that lives in yeah. heaven. Two that are married. Some that are single. You know, there's just people everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'd like to, um, in with a scripture, we always want to do that because we believe that there's nothing more powerful than the word of God. Uh, ultimately, he is the only one who can truly comfort our broken hearts. And so to close out today, um, could you share a favorite verse that you have? 
I wrote down two. Is that okay? Sure. <laughs> okay. The first one reminds me, First Corinthians 13 to 12. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even also I am known. And I think that's important. I don't see the whole picture now. Mm. I don't know all the details. I just know I have to have faith. Yeah. And that's where the next scripture rolls in. Hebrews 11, 1. We put this one on Millie's headstone. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. You know, I can't necessarily see what God's doing in every point of this, but I can have faith and trust in who he is and his character. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Thanks so much for being with us, Courtney, um, sharing Millie's story and your story um, of Thank your you. family and the journey and really look forward to picking up the extra books I didn't know existed. So <laughs> we'll put all those in the notes. So thanks so much for being here. Appreciate you. Thank you. I appreciate it. The Our Hearts Are Home Ministry to Bereaved Parents is solely funded by generous supporters like you. To partner with us to reach grieving parents with the hope found in Christ, visit ourheartsarehome.org.